Chapter Fifty Seven, The Last Great Struggle. I was moved by the Spirit of the Lord to write that book, The Great Controversy. I knew that time was short, and that the scenes which are soon to crowd upon us would, at the last, come very suddenly and swiftly, as represented in the words of Scripture: "The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night." First Thessalonians five two. The Lord has set before me matters which are of urgent importance for the present time, and which reach into the future. I was assured that there was no time to lose. The appeals and warnings must be given. Our churches must be aroused, must be instructed, that they may give the warning to all whom they can possibly reach, declaring that the sword is coming, that the Lord's anger upon a profligate world will not long be deferred. I was shown that many would listen to the warning; their minds would be prepared to discern the very things that it pointed out to them. I was shown that the warning must go where the living messenger could not go, and that it would call the attention of many to the important events to occur in the closing scenes of this world's history. Coming events shown to Ellen White, as the condition of the church and the world was open before me, and I beheld the fearful scenes that lie just before us. I was alarmed at the outlook, and night after night. While all in the house were sleeping, I wrote out the things given me of God. I was shown the heresies which are to arise, the delusions that will prevail, the miracle-working power of Satan, the false Christs that will appear, that will deceive the greater part even of the religious world, and that would, if it were possible, draw away even the elect. The warning and instruction of this book are needed by all who profess to believe the present truth. And the book is adapted to go also to the world, calling their attention to the solemn scenes just before us. Letter one, eighteen ninety. The trouble ahead. Oppressors will be permitted to triumph for a time. With pity and compassion, with tender yearning, the Lord is looking upon His tempted and tried people. For a time, the oppressors will be permitted to triumph. Over those who know God's holy commandments, all are given the same opportunity that was granted to the first great rebel to demonstrate the spirit that moves them to action. It is God's purpose that every one shall be tested and proved, to see whether he will be loyal or disloyal to the laws which govern the kingdom of heaven. To the last, God permits Satan to reveal his character as a liar, an accuser, and a murderer. Thus, the final triumph of His people is made more marked, more glorious, more full and complete. The people of God should be wide awake, not trusting in their own wisdom, but wholly in the wisdom of their leader. They should set aside days for fasting and prayer. We are nearing the crisis. We are nearing the most important crisis that has ever come upon the world. If we are not wide awake and watching, it will steal upon us as a thief. Satan is preparing to work through his human agencies in secrecy. We must know the reasons of our faith. The importance and solemnity of the scenes opening before us demand this, and on no account must the spirit of complaining be encouraged. We may have to plead most earnestly before legislative councils for the right to exercise independent judgment, to worship God according to the dictates of our conscience.
Thus, in his providence, God has designed that the claims of his holy law shall be brought before men in the highest authority. But as we do all we can as men and women who are not ignorant of Satan's devices, we are to manifest no bitterness of feeling. Constantly we are to offer prayer for divine aid. It is God alone who can hold the four winds until the angels shall seal the servants of God in their foreheads. Satan's Determined Efforts The Lord will do a great work in the earth. Satan makes a determined effort to divide and scatter his people. He brings up side issues to divert minds from the important subjects which should engage our attention. Many are holding the truth only with the tips of their fingers. They have had great light and many privileges. Like Capernaum, they have been exalted to heaven in this respect. In the time of test and trial that is approaching, they will become apostates unless they put away their pride and self-confidence, unless they have an entire transformation of character. Letter 5, 1883 A law of nations that will cause men to violate God's law. The Lord will judge according to their works those who are seeking to establish a law of the nations that will cause men to violate the law of God in proportion to their guilt, will be their punishment. Letter 90, 1908 The World in Rebellion Christ's Betrayal and Crucifixion Reenacted The scenes of the betrayal, rejection, and crucifixion of Christ have been reenacted and will again be reenacted on an immense scale. People will be filled with the attributes of Satan, the delusions of the arch-enemy of God and man will have great power. Those who have given their affections to any leader but Christ will find themselves under the control, body, soul, and spirit of an infatuation that is so entrancing that under its power souls turn away from hearing the truth to believe a lie. They are ensnared and taken, and by their every action they cry, Release unto us Barabbas! but crucify Christ. In the churches which have departed from truth and righteousness, it is being revealed what human nature will be and do when the love of God is not an abiding principle in the soul. We need not be surprised at anything that may take place now. We need not marvel at any developments of horror. Those who trample under their unholy feet the law of God have the same spirit as had the men who insulted and betrayed Jesus. Without any compunctions of conscience, they will do the deeds of their father the devil. Those who choose Satan as their ruler will reveal the spirit of their chosen master who caused the fall of our first parents. By rejecting the divine Son of God, the personification of the only true God, who possessed goodness, mercy, and untiring love, whose heart was ever touched with human woe, and accepting a murderer in his place, the people showed what human nature can and will do when the restraining spirit of God is removed and men are under the great apostate. Just to that degree that light is refused and rejected will there be misconception and misunderstanding. Those who reject Christ and choose Barabbas will work under a ruinous deception. Misrepresentation, the bearing of false witness, will grow under open rebellion.
united in desperate companionship. Christ shows that without the controlling power of the Spirit of God, humanity is a terrible power for evil. Unbelief, hatred, and reproof will stir up satanic influences. Principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places will unite in a desperate companionship. They will be leagued against God in the person of His saints. By misrepresentation and falsehood, they will demoralize both men and women who to all appearances believe the truth. False witnesses will not be wanting in this terrible work. After speaking of the end of the world, Jesus comes back to Jerusalem, the city then sitting in pride and arrogance, and saying, I sit a queen, and shall see no sorrow. Revelation 18:7. As his prophetic eye rests upon Jerusalem, he sees that as she was given up to destruction, the world will be given up to its doom. The scenes that transpired at the destruction of Jerusalem will be repeated at the great and terrible day of the Lord, but in a more fearful manner. As men throw off all restraint and make void his law themselves, as they establish their own perverted law and try to force the consciences of those who honor God and keep his commandments to trample the law under their feet, they will find that the tenderness which they have mocked will be exhausted. Coming Calamities A world is represented in the destruction of Jerusalem, and the warning given then by Christ comes sounding down the line to our time. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Luke 21:25. Yes, they shall pass their borders, and destruction will be in their track. They will engulf the ships that sail upon their broad waters, and with the burden of their living freight they will be hurried into eternity without time to repent. There will be calamities by land and by sea, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, verses 26 and 27. In just the same manner as he ascended, will he come the second time to our world. And when these things shall begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Verse 28, Manuscript 40, 1897. The Breakdown of Society Those in the world, having lost their connection with God, are making desperate, insane efforts to make centers of themselves. This causes distrust of one another, which is followed by crime. The kingdoms of the world will be divided against themselves. Fewer and fewer will become the sympathetic cords which bind man in brotherhood to his fellow man. The natural egotism of the human heart will be worked upon by Satan. He will use the uncontrolled wills and violent passions which were never brought under the control of God's will. Every man's hand will be against his fellow man. Brother will rise against brother, sister against sister, parents against children, and children against parents. All will be in confusion. Relatives will betray one another. There will be secret plotting to destroy life. 
Destruction, misery, and death will be seen on every hand. Men will follow the unrestrained bent of their hereditary and cultivated tendency to evil. God's Retributive Judgments Seen in Vision God has a storehouse of retributive judgments which He permits to fall upon those who have continued in sin in the face of great light. I have seen the most costly structures and buildings erected and supposed to be fireproof. And just as Sodom perished in the flames of God's vengeance, so will these proud structures become ashes. I have seen vessels which cost immense sums of money wrestling with the mighty waters seeking to breast the angry billows. But with all their treasures of gold and silver, and with their human freight, they sink into a watery grave. Man's pride will be buried with the treasures he has accumulated by fraud. God will avenge the widows and orphans who in hunger and nakedness have cried to him for help from oppression and abuse. The time is right upon us when there will be sorrow in the world that no human balm can heal. The flattering monuments of men's greatness will be crumbled in the dust, even before the last great destruction comes upon the world. Only by being clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness can we escape the judgments that are coming upon the earth. Letter 20, 1901 Many children will be taken away. Ere long we are to be brought into straight and trying places, and the many children brought into the world will in mercy be taken away before the time of trouble comes. Manuscript 152, 1899. See also Child Guidance, pages 565 and 566, and Testimonies to Ministers, page 375. The final conflict will be short but terrible. We are standing on the threshold of great and solemn events. Prophecies are fulfilling. The last great conflict will be short but terrible. Old controversies will be revived. New controversies will arise. We have a great work to do. Our ministerial work must not cease. The last warnings must be given to the world. There is a special power in the presentation of the truth at the present time. How long will it last? Only a little while. The inquiry of everyone should be, Whose am I? To whom do I owe allegiance? Is my heart renewed? Is my soul reformed? Are my sins forgiven? Will they be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come? Prophets wrote for their own and our day. The last books of the Old Testament show us workers taken from the laborers in the field. Others were men of high ability and extensive learning, but the Lord gave them visions and messages. These men of the Old Testament spoke of things transpiring in their day, and Daniel, Isaiah, and Ezekiel not only spoke of things that concerned them as present truth, but their sights reached down to the future and to what should occur in these last days. Letter 132, 1898. When persecuted, flee to another place. In some places where the opposition is very pronounced, the lives of God's messengers may be endangered. It is then their privilege to follow the example of their master and go to another place. Letter 20, 1901. 
martyrdom God's means of bringing many into truth. The worthies who refused to bow to the golden image were cast into a burning, fiery furnace, but Christ was with them there, and the fire did not consume them. Now some of us may be brought to just as severe a test. Will we obey the commandments of men, or will we obey the commandments of God? This is the question that will be asked of many. The best thing for us is to come into close connection with God, and if He would have us be martyrs for the truth's sake, it may be the means of bringing many more into the truth. Manuscript 83, 1886 Christ stands by the side of persecuted saints. Never is the tempest-tried soul more dearly loved by his Savior than when he is suffering reproach for the truth's sake. When for the truth's sake the believer stands at the bar of unrighteous tribunals, Christ stands by his side. All the reproaches that fall upon the human believer fall upon Christ in the person of his saints. I will love him, said Christ, and will manifest myself to him. John 14, 21. Christ is condemned over again in the person of his believing disciples. When for the truth's sake the believer is incarcerated in prison walls, Christ manifests himself to them and ravishes his heart with his love. When he suffers death for the sake of Christ, Christ says to him, They may kill the body, but they cannot hurt the soul. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. They crucified me, and if they put you to death, they crucify me afresh in the person of my saints. Persecution cannot do more than cause death, but the life is preserved to eternal life and glory. The persecuting power may take its stand and command the disciples of Christ to deny the faith, to give heed to the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, by making void the law of God. But the disciples may ask, Why should I do this? I love Jesus, and I will never deny his name. When the power says, I will call you a disturber of the peace, they may answer, Thus they called Jesus, who was truth, and grace and peace. Letter 116, 1896 Merchants and princes will take their stand. Some who are numbered among merchants and princes will take their positions to obey the truth. God's eye has been upon such as they have acted according to the light that they have had, maintaining their integrity. Cornelius, a man of high position, maintained his religious experience, strictly walking in accordance with the light he had received. God had his eye upon him, and he sent his angel with a message to him. The heavenly messenger passed by the self-righteous ones, came to Cornelius, and called him by name. This record is made for the special benefit of those who are living in these last days. Many who have had great light have not appreciated and improved it, as it was their privilege to do. They have not practiced the truth. And because of this, the Lord will bring in those who have lived up to all the light they have had, and those who have been privileged with opportunities to understand the truth and who have not obeyed its principles will be swayed by Satan's temptations for self-advancement. They will deny the principles of truth in practice and bring reproach upon the cause of God.
Christ declares that he will spew these out of his mouth and leave them to follow their own course of actions to distinguish themselves. This course of action does indeed make them prominent as men that are unfaithful householders. God's measurement of those who walk in the light they have. The Lord will give his message to those who have walked in accordance with the light they have had, and will recognize them as true and faithful according to the measurement of God. These men will take the place of those who, having light and knowledge, have walked not in the way of the Lord, but in the imagination of their own unsanctified hearts. We are now living in the last days, when the truth must be spoken, when in reproof and warning it must be given to the world, irrespective of consequences. If there are some who will become offended and turn from the truth, we must bear in mind that there were those who did the same in Christ's day. The ranks will not be diminished, but there are men who will receive the truth, and these will take the places made vacant by those who become offended and leave the truth. The Lord will work so that the disaffected ones will be separated from the true and loyal ones. The ranks will not be diminished. Those who are firm and true will close up the vacancies that are made by those who become offended and apostatize. Many will prize the wisdom of God above any earthly advantage and will obey the word of God as the supreme standard. These will be led to great light. These will come to the knowledge of the truth and will seek to get this light of truth before those of their acquaintance who, like themselves, are anxious for the truth. Manuscript 97, 1898 Every human being will be either in Christ's army or Satan's army. We are nearing the close of this earth's history when two parties alone can exist, and every man, woman, and child will be in one of these armies. Jesus will be the general of one army. Of the opposing army, Satan will be the leader. All those who are breaking and teaching others to break the law of God, the foundation of his government in heaven and in earth, are marshaled under one superior chief who directs them in opposition to the government of God. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, Jude 6, are rebels against the law of God, and enemies to all who love and obey his commandments. These subjects, with Satan their leader, will gather others into their ranks through every possible means to strengthen his forces and urge his claims. Through his deception and delusion, Satan would, if possible, deceive the very elect. His is no minor deception. He will seek to annoy, to harass, to falsify, to accuse and misrepresent all whom he cannot compel to give him honor and help him in his work. His great success lies in keeping men's minds confused and ignorant of his devices, for then he can lead the unwary as it were, blindfolded. The Sabbath is the issue in the final conflict. The Sabbath is the great test question. It is the line of demarcation between the loyal and true and the disloyal and transgressor. This Sabbath God has enjoined, and those who claim to be commandment keepers, who believe that they are now under the proclamation of the third angel's message, will see the important part of the Sabbath 
of the fourth commandment in that message. It is the seal of the living God. They will not lessen the claims of the Sabbath to suit their business of convenience. Manuscript 34, 1897. John in the Revelation writes of the unity of those living on the earth to make void the law of God. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Revelation 17, 13 and 14. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Chapter 16, verse 13. All who will exalt and worship the idle Sabbath, a day that God has not blessed, help the devil and his angels with all the power of their God-given ability, which they have perverted to a wrong use. Inspired by another spirit, which blinds their discernment, they cannot see that the exaltation of Sunday is entirely the institution of the Catholic Church. Sabbath is the issue that divides the world. The Lord of heaven permits the world to choose whom they will have as a ruler. Let all read carefully the thirteenth chapter of Revelation, for it concerns every human agent, great and small. Every human being must take sides, either for the true and living God, who has given to the world the memorial of creation and the seventh-day Sabbath, or for a false Sabbath, instituted by men who have exalted themselves above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, or who have taken upon themselves the attributes of Satan in oppressing the loyal and true who keep the commandments of God. This persecuting power will compel the worship of the beast by insisting on the observance of the Sabbath he has instituted. Thus he blasphemes God, sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 The 144,000 without guile One of the marked features in the representation of the 144,000 is that in their mouth there was found no guile. The Lord has said, Blessed is the man in whose spirit there is no guile. They profess to be children of God and are represented as following the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. They are prefigured before us, standing on Mount Zion, girt for holy service, clothed in white linen, which is the righteousness of the saints. But all who follow the Lamb in heaven will first have followed Him on earth, in trustful, loving, willing obedience, followed Him not fretfully and capriciously, but confidently, truthfully, as the flock follows the shepherd. Satan making his last effort for the mastery. The world is in co-partnership with the professed Christian churches in making void the law of Jehovah. God's law is set aside, it is trampled underfoot, and from all the loyal people of God the prayer will ascend to heaven, It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Psalm 119.126 Satan is making his last and most powerful effort for the mastery, his last conflict against the principles of God's law. A defiant infidelity abounds. 
After John's description in Revelation 16 of that miracle-working power which was to gather the world to the last great conflict, the symbols are dropped, and the trumpet voice once more gives a certain sound, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth, and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. Revelation 16:15, Manuscript 7a, 1896. Christ mingles in the ranks in the last conflict. The agency of the Holy Spirit is to combine with human effort, and all heaven is engaged in the work of preparing a people to stand in these last days. The end is near, and we want to keep the future world in view. In this last conflict, the captain of the Lord's host, Joshua 5.15, is leading on the armies of heaven and mingling in the ranks and fighting our battles for us. We shall have apostasies. We shall expect them. They will go out from us because they were not of us. See 1 John 2.19. Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Matthew 15.13. The angel, the mighty angel from heaven, is to lighten the earth with his glory. Revelation 18.1. While he cries mightily with a loud voice, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Verse 2. We would lose faith and courage in the conflict if we were not sustained by the power of God. Every form of evil is to spring into intense activity. Evil angels unite their powers with evil men, and as they have been in constant conflict and attained an experience in the best modes of deception and battle and have been strengthening for centuries, they will not yield the last great final contest without a desperate struggle and all the world will be on one side or the other of the question. The battle of Armageddon will be fought, and that day must find none of us sleeping. Wide awake we must be, as wise virgins having oil in our vessels with our lamps. The power of the Holy Ghost must be upon us, and the captain of the Lord's host will stand at the head of the angels of heaven to direct the battle. Solemn events before us are yet to transpire. Trumpet after trumpet is to be sounded, vial after vial poured out one after another upon the inhabitants of the earth. Scenes of stupendous interest are right upon us, and these things will be sure indications of the presence of Him who has directed in every aggressive movement, who has accompanied the march of His cause through all the ages, and who has graciously pledged Himself to be with His people in all their conflicts to the end of the world. He will vindicate His truth. He will cause it to triumph. He is ready to supply His faithful ones with motives and power of purpose, inspiring them with hope and courage and valor in increased activity as the time is at hand. One Fierce Last Struggle Deceptions, delusions, impostures will arise. The cries will come in from every quarter. Lo, here is Christ! Lo, there is Christ. But, said Christ, go ye not after them. Luke 21, 8. There will be one fierce struggle before the man of sin shall be disclosed to this world, who he is and what has been his work. While the Protestant world is becoming very tender and affectionate toward the man of sin, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, shall not God's people take their place as bold and valiant soldiers of Jesus Christ to meet the issue which must come, 
their lives hid with Christ in God? Mystic Babylon has not been sparing in the blood of the saints, and shall we not be wide awake to catch the beams of light which have been shining from the light of the angel who is to brighten the earth with his glory? Letter 112, 1890. Our Lives and the Final Preparation God will try us. Before giving us the baptism of the Holy Spirit, our Heavenly Father will try us to see if we can live without dishonoring Him. Letter 22, 1902. Everything imperfect will be put away. When our earthly labors are ended, and Christ shall come for His faithful children, we shall then shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of our Father. But before that time shall come, everything that is imperfect in us will have been seen and put away. All envy and jealousy and evil surmising and every selfish plan will have been banished from the life. Letter 416, 1907 When Perfection of Character is Reached Are we striving with all our God-given powers to reach the measure of the stature of men and women in Christ? Are we seeking for His fullness, ever reaching higher and higher, trying to attain to the perfection of His character? When God's servants reach this point, they will be sealed in their foreheads. The recording angel will declare, It is done. They will be complete in Him whose they are by creation and by redemption. Manuscript 148, 1899 We shall be gifted with a higher nature. When Christ comes, He takes those who have purified their souls by obeying the truth. This mortal shall put on immortality, and these corruptible bodies, subject to disease, will be changed from mortal to immortal. We shall then be gifted with a higher nature. The bodies of all who purify their souls by obeying the truth shall be glorified. They will have fully received and believed in Jesus Christ. Manuscript 36 1906. A Vivid View of Coming Events Friday, January 18, 1884, several heard my voice exclaiming, Look, look! Whether I was dreaming or in vision, I cannot tell. I slept alone. The time of trouble was upon us. I saw our people in great distress, weeping and praying, pleading the sure promises of God, while the wicked were all around us, mocking us and threatening to destroy us. They ridiculed our feebleness. They mocked at the smallness of our numbers and taunted us with words calculated to cut deep. They charged us with taking an independent position from all the rest of the world. They had cut off our resources so that we could not buy or sell, and they referred to our abject poverty and stricken condition. They could not see how we could live without the world. We were dependent on the world. We must concede to the customs, practices, and laws of the world, or go out of it. If we were the only people in the world whom the Lord favored, the appearances were awfully against us. They declared that they had the truth, that miracles were among them, that angels from heaven talked with them and walked with them, that great power and signs and wonders were performed among them, and that this was the temporal millennium that they had been expecting so long. The whole world was converted and in harmony with the Sunday law, 
and this little feeble people stood out in defiance of the laws of the land and the law of God, and claimed to be the only ones right on the earth. Look up, look up. But while anguish was upon the loyal and true who would not worship the beast or his image and accept and revere an idle Sabbath, one said, Look up, look up. Every eye was lifted, and the heavens seemed to part as a scroll when it is rolled together. And as Stephen looked into heaven, so we looked. The mockers were taunting and reviling us, and boasting of what they intended to do to us if we continued obstinate in holding fast our faith. But now we were as those who heard them not. We were gazing upon a scene that shut out everything else. There stood revealed the throne of God. Around it were ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands upon thousands, and close about the throne were the martyrs. Among this number I saw the very ones who were so recently in such abject misery, whom the world knew not, whom the world hated and despised. A voice said, Jesus, who is seated upon the throne, has so loved man that he gave his life a sacrifice to redeem him from the power of Satan and to exalt him to his throne. He who is above all powers, who has the greatest influence in heaven and in earth, he to whom every soul is indebted for every favor he has received, was meek and lowly in disposition, holy, harmless, and undefiled in life. He was obedient to all his Father's commandments. Wickedness has filled the earth. It is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. The high places of the powers of earth have been polluted with corruption and base idolatries. But the time has come when righteousness shall receive the palm of victory and triumph. Those who were accounted by the world as weak and unworthy, those who were defenseless against the cruelty of man, shall be crowned conquerors and more than conquerors. Revelation 7, 9-17 to quoted. They are before the throne enjoying the sunless splendors of eternal day, not as a scattered, feeble company to suffer by the satanic passions of a rebellious world, expressing the sentiments, the doctrines, and the counsels of demons. Now the saints have nothing to fear. Strong and terrible have become the masters of iniquity in the world under the control of Satan, but strong is the Lord God who judgeth Babylon. The just have no longer anything to fear from force or fraud, as long as they are loyal and true. A mightier than the strong man armed is set for their defense. All power and greatness and excellence of character will be given to those who have believed and stood in defense of the truth standing up and firmly defending the laws of God. Another heavenly being exclaimed with firm and musical voice, They have come out of great tribulation. They have walked in the fiery furnace of the world, heated intensely by the passions and caprices of men who would enforce upon them the worship of the beast and his image, and who would compel them to be disloyal to the God of heaven. They have come from the mountains, from the rocks, from the dens and caves of the earth, from dungeons, from prisons, from secret councils, from the torture chamber, from hovels, from garrets. They have passed through sore affliction, deep self-denial, and deep disappointment. 
They are no longer to be the sport and ridicule of wicked men. They are to be no longer mean and sorrowful in the eyes of those who despise them. Remove the filthy garments from them, with which wicked men have delighted to clothe them. Give them a change of raiment, even the white robes of righteousness, and set a fair meter upon their heads. There they stand, victors in the great conflict. They were clothed in richer robes than earthly beings had ever worn. They were crowned with diadems of glory, such as human beings had never seen. The days of suffering, of reproach, of want, of hunger, are no more. Weeping is past. Then they break forth in songs, loud, clear, and musical. They wave the palm branches of victory and exclaim, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Revelation 7.10 O may God endue us with His Spirit and make us strong in His strength. In that great day of supreme and final triumph, it will be seen that the righteous were strong and that wickedness in all its forms and with all its pride was a weak and miserable failure and defeat. We will cling close to Jesus. We will trust Him. We will seek His grace and His great salvation. We must hide in Jesus, for He is a covert from the storm, a present help in time of trouble. Letter 6, 1884 Two columns of angels escort saints to the city of God. The life-giver is coming to break the fetters of the tomb. He is to bring forth the captives and proclaim, I am the resurrection and the life. There stands the risen host. The last thought was of death and its pangs. The last thoughts they had were of the grave and the tomb. But now they proclaim, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? 1 Corinthians 15.55 The pangs of death were the last things they felt. When they awake, the pain is all gone. O grave, where is thy victory? Here they stand, and the finishing touch of immortality is put upon them, and they go up to meet their Lord in the air. The gates of the city of God swing back upon their hinges, and the nations that have kept the truth enter in. There are the columns of angels on either side, and the ransomed of God walk in through the cherubim and seraphim. Christ bids them welcome, and puts upon them his benediction. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Matthew 25:21. What is that joy? He sees the travail of his soul and is satisfied. That is what we labor for. Here is one who in the night season we pleaded with God on his behalf. There is one that we talked with on his dying bed, and he hung his helpless soul upon Jesus. Here is one who was a poor drunkard. We tried to get his eyes fixed upon him who is mighty to save, and we told him that Christ could give him the victory. There are the crowns of immortal glory upon their heads, and then the redeemed cast their glittering crowns at the feet of Jesus, and then the angelic choir strikes the note of victory, and the angels in the two columns take up the song, and the redeemed host join as though they had been singing the songs on the earth, and they have been. Celestial music. Oh, what music! There is not an inharmonious note. Every voice proclaims, 
Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Revelation 5.12 He sees of the travail of his soul and is satisfied. Do you think anyone there will take time to tell of his trials and terrible difficulties? The former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Isaiah 65.17 God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Revelation 21.4 Manuscript 18 1894